Are you just getting started in Disney Lorcana? Or are you looking to make the leap from league play to competitive player? Well, in this video, I'm going to cover three decks that I think are perfect for newer or beginner players. However, these decks can honestly be good for all players looking to take a more straightforward game plan in their Disney Lorcana competitive play. Let's get into them. What types of decks are good for new players? Let's talk about why choosing the right deck is crucial. First off, as a beginner, you want a deck that's easy to handle, but also competitive enough to give you a fighting chance in a competitive nature. Limiting decision points can go a long way for straightforward game plan that can make winning much easier for newer players or players that prefer a simpler game plan. In Disney Lurkana, we have lots of different layers to the game, in all honesty, between choosing how many inks or how many uninkable cards you'd like to play, choosing how many actions, songs, items, characters. There are lots of decision points that go into creating a deck and molding it towards competitive mindset. So in this video, I tried to target three decks that I thought made a lot of sense for newer players to be able to adapt into a competitive mindset to learn from and play with to grow as a better competitive player in Disney Arcana. So let's get a look at the first deck, which might be the easiest deck of all to pilot. Amber Ruby. The deck type of Amber Ruby is generally mid-range. Now, what are mid-range decks in Disney Lurkana? Mid-range decks focus on gaining incremental advantage over time. They aim to maintain the control of the board and generate value through efficient card usage and powerful characters or actions. In this particular ink combination, the key cards for the deck are Mufasa, Mufasa is a card generating and board control aspect character that is an inkable 3-3-4-5 cost that is 2 lore. However, the effect of when he is banished, he replaces himself with the top card of your deck, goes a long way in maintaining board presence in the game. Rapunzel. This is a character that was a mainstay in Disney Lurkana for the entirety of the Chapter 1 metagame and finding its way back into the metagame in Chapter 2. Rapunzel's effect to come into play, heal a character, and then draw you cards to replace herself, and, honestly, a net advantage of more cards, depending on how much you're able to heal from a given character, creates a board presence on in play with a 1-5, 2 lore character, and replenishes your hand. Lady Tremaine and Maleficent both act in a role to help you maintain board presence through removal of your opponent's characters. Lady Tremaine is an uninkable two-lore character that forces your opponent to choose a character, while Maleficent is a inkable 7-5 character that allows you to choose a character to remove from the board. Both of these characters really work well in this deck as a way to maintain board advantage, and always keep threatening lore with two lore characters. Stitch Carefree Surfer is the icing on the cake to Amber decks in general. This card has the ability to consistently replace itself when you play it by just having two other characters in play, along with the ability of being a 4-8 character, again with two lore. There's a common theme with all of the characters on this list that are on the screen right now. They're all two lore threats 
Obviously, this goes up the curve for four, five, six, seven, and nine. But through Mufasa, you can also hope to gain incremental resource advantage by revealing any one of these cards through the means of Mufasa's ability when he's banished. The interesting thing about this deck in particular is the idea that it is 60 characters. There are no items, there are no songs, there are no actions. It is very straightforward gameplay and removes a ton of decision points for the player. As you look at the curve of this deck, you can see there's a fair assessment of 1s, 2s, 3s, 4s, 5s, 6s, 7s, and, of course, Maleficent, Monsters, Dragon at 9. It's a very straightforward mid-range aggro deck, in a way, because it's constantly threatening lore gains. While Stitch, the Queen, Zimba, and Mother Gothel, along with Hades, are the only one lore characters in this deck, two of these are threatening their shift characters from the likes of the Queen Commanding Presence and Stitch Rockstar, and Hades is an act of always representing more than one lore with the ability of bringing back another character to threaten the game after any board wipes or just in a continuous loop with itself against opposing decks that are very set on consistently removing the board. Every other character in the deck, aside from Maui, is a two lore character that consistently threatens the game and is generally speaking going to advantage you in some way, shape, or form. Minnie Mouse Surfer has the ability to be evasive, which causes frustration for opponents that cannot interact with her. Mickey Mouse has the ability to allow you to play characters for much cheaper. Of course, I've already mentioned Lady Tremaine and Maleficent and how they are necessary in the deck to continuously help you maintain board presence. Maui is a wonderful complement to them, making it difficult for opponents to challenge or quest knowing that you could have a character at any given moment with six strength that can just remove their character from the game and likely stick around to tell the story. Scar is a wonderful character in these types of decks. Most cases, this deck does not want to be the one playing Be Prepared. It would much rather be the one that Be Prepared is played against. Having a character like Scar have the ability to come in and clean up when an opponent gets greedy with questing or challenging can really go a long way. Of course, this deck is 100% a Mufasa deck. But the interesting note of only being 60 characters means taking so many decision points away from players. That is a crucial thing in gameplay. If you don't have to make crucial decisions and you just have a straightforward game plan, it really does help you accelerate in games. Removing consequences for bad decisions by always just having a straightforward curve, and honestly, in this game, the most difficult decision point might be, what am I going to get back with my Hades? Mufasa automatically does his ability himself, so the idea that you can just have your Mufasa get banished, reveal the top card of your deck, and replay it makes it for just mindless gameplay in a way, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it does help you focus more on the game and learning the game through another player's eyes. Seeing how players will play against this deck will go a long way in teaching you the differences between different archetypes within the game. Amber Amethyst, deck type aggro or aggressive. 
Aggro decks focus on playing fast and efficient threats early in the game that put immediate pressure on the opponent. The primary goal of an aggro deck is to gain lore as quickly as possible. The key cards in this deck are Lilo and Maleficent, Zimba, Protective Cup, Pinocchio, Star Attraction, Madame Mim, Fox and Snake, and Merlin, Rabbit, and Goat. The package of Lilo, Maleficent, and Zimba, along with the pairing of Pinocchio, truly gives the deck a threatening start to any game. When on the play, your opponent is forced into having only a select few of answers that can really combat with this strategy. Zimba's 2-3 status is truly a very difficult card to interact with early on in the game, forcing either the exact card in an earlier fashion or more than one card to take him out. Due to Madame Mim Fox and Snake, characters like Lilo Maleficent and Pinocchio all have additional layers of protection past Zimba Protective Cub at this point. The idea that you can just exert to gain your two lore, quest away, and then be picked up by Madame Mim, put back in your hand, safe from being exerted, and then replayed again to threaten more lore the following turn is truly another layer to these characters' impact for low-cost characters with high lore counts. Merlin, Rabbit, and Goat add the final layer to this deck which gives you card replenishment and the ability to gain lore at a quick pace action that your opponent cannot interact with in any which way. The sum total of these characters in play right now truly represent a deck and a threatening force to the metagame. Applying pressure early forces opponent to ink differently in most cases to find answers early on in games or become too far behind to ever truly catch up. The Amber Amethyst strategy is a truly straightforward one, but it does add layers. It adds two songs in the form of Friends on the Other Side and Be Our Guest. Both of these are not necessarily likely to be sung more often than not. In most cases, these cards are used later on in games to help you find your outs to winning. Befuddle is an interesting card that can represent one of two strategies. The first is that it's an additional way to bounce characters back to your hand to protect them. The second is to punish opposing Amethyst decks by returning their snake back to their hand and putting them back several turns in the game that also helps you protect your characters like Lilo and Pinocchio earlier. In this particular deck list, characters like Cusco are just another form of way to always threaten the board and replenish oneself. Having a character like Cusco be a scapegoat to opposing Lady Tremains or even grab your swords to at least get something out of a card truly goes a long way within helping you close out games. Arthur is the true powerhouse of this deck and when utilized correctly and able to be kept safe has the ability to string across several high lore gains that when unanswered can take a game completely over and really put your opponent out of the game entirely. The good news about Amber Amethyst is that it's already won several events or made top eights of really large tournaments. This deck is another deck that is very simply play my cards, exert them to quest and gain lore and have my opponent figure out a way to stop me. Having cards like Madame Mims, 
the Zimbas, to protect all of your high lore, low-cost cards, truly impact the game in ways that your opponent is not necessarily always prepared to handle. This is a deck that can absolutely catch opponents off guard and punish opponents for not playing the correct removal. It's also a deck that currently is somewhat out of favor due to all the steel decks. However, whenever steel decks fall down, this deck is a wonderful deck to bring to a tournament and try and catch opposing non-steel decks completely off guard. Emerald Ruby. Deck type, aggro, or aggressive. This deck is a different version of an aggro deck. While still maintaining a low curve and pressuring opponents by making it difficult to interact with your gameplay, utilizing evasive and ward to remove most of your opponent's interaction can help you quest your way toward many victories. The key cards in this deck are Bucky and John, Minnie Mouse Deep Sea Diver and Surfer, Flynn Rider, Ray, and Pete. This deck is much more of a friendly new player beginner deck. It comes in as a budget deck under $50 to obtain all of the cards listed in front of you. It also is probably the more difficult one to play, but it's also the more difficult one for your opponents to interact with. There are certain combinations in this deck, and it is trying to do a little bit of everything. However, the grand scheme of the deck adds up to being a really nuisance to all of your opponents. While this deck does have Hypnotize and Sudden Chill as a complement to Prince John and Bucky, this deck is not what I would call a discard deck. It's a deck that's utilizing discard cards in cognizant with characters that happen to have Ward. Because Prince John is a 1-2 character that's not evasive, he can be easily removed by AoE effects such as Grab Your Swords. However, because it has Ward, it has the ability to help you close out games in the end as not a bad card to pick up later in the game, since your opponent may not always just simply have an answer to it. But to not play the cards like Hypnotize and Sudden Shield may give you a lost opportunity cost when Prince John is in play. The same can be said about playing Bucky. Yes, it is only a 1-1, it only has one lore, but the ward card is enough. And the idea that this deck is not only playing 4 Donald Duck, 2 Flynn Rider, 3 Minnie Mouse, is enough to say, hey, I also have a secondary game plan that has 9 Floodborne characters, that can come into play as early as turn 3 and turn my Bucky on when necessary. The true concept of this deck, though, is the evasive keyword. Characters with evasive can only be challenged by other characters with evasive. Now, this particular keyword is very similar to many other games. Maybe you come from Magic the Gathering and a keyword like flying. If you come from World of Warcraft with a keyword like elusive, this is all the same. These cards simply cannot be interacted with in challenges unless the opposing character also has the same keyword ability of evasive. So this deck is truly representing two combinations of things. The first, at its core, is evasive. The second is ward. Now, the best way to utilize that is the ability of additional interactions and combo points to find your ways to quick lore victories. 
Minnie Mouse Deep Sea Diver with cards like Improvise and You Can Fly have the ability to sneak out three lore gains from an evasive character early on in games. It also has the additional ability to utilize Pete to pick up four lore later on in a game. A character like Ray is a 3-3 vulnerable target to cards like Smash. However, when you already have cards like Flynn Rider and Minnie Mouse as Smash targets, a card like Ray may come into play be quite safe from a card like Smash because there's already so many targets that have to take the threat meter away early. Because of that, he's a perfect finisher to this deck. Ring the Bell is the first removal action that we are utilizing in any of the decks we've seen so far. And that is because if you look at the stat line of the characters, most of them cannot trade favorably at all. So when you should be questing, if your opponent is trying to interact and challenge back, likely their characters are still sitting on the table. So while it is, is still a two-for-one in most cases to play Ring the Bell, it does give you the option to actually be able to remove almost any character that has damage on it now, rather than trying to find alternate ways to doing so. I really wanted to put a budget deck on this list. I think it's crucial for new players to walk into a game and see that it's potential to get in the game for a very cheap value and still play the game. The first deck on this list was over a $400 deck because of the amount of legendaries. The second one was closer to the average of a $200 to $220 deck. In some cases, it might be like $180, depending on where the market is. But this deck comes in at under $50, which means any player that really is looking to go from casual to competitive, this should be a great starting point and jumping point. The good news is for this deck is that you do pick up a couple cards from Emerald and Ruby that are seeing play in other successful decks. Now, speaking of successful decks, why is it important and how can you learn from playing decks like this to get better at the game to move forward and onward with other decks? Hey guys, if you're enjoying this video so far, it would really do me a great deed if you hit me with a like button. If you are a new player, hit me up in the comments and let me know what additional questions you might have about Disney Lorcana. If you are an experienced player that are just checking out the video, I would love for you to comment a tip that you have for new beginners. I think it's great as a community for us to always, you know, introduce players to the game and help them out in any given chance. Thank you guys so much for watching and enjoy the rest of the video. Will these decks make you better? In my honest opinion, yes. But here is why. It is inevitable for you to grow within the game the more you play. However, it can be very frustrating playing any game as a new player, learning new rules, having too many combinations or interactions that you have to remember, or honestly just doing things that don't feel comfortable. So the more things that you remove from the game and the more decision points that you remove from your game strategy helps you conquer the game as a whole and be more successful. And although you should always be trying to learn with each and every game, whether you win or lose, obviously people want to try their best to win because it always feels better to win. So decks like this have a winning strategy and have a point in the metagame currently that where you are doing enough things that create very uncomfortable positions for your opponents. So because of that, you can see your strategy of ways to win very clearly.
the important thing to note is when playing in tournaments and in you know competitive league events or with your friends is taking the observations of how your opponents are figuring out how to deal with you. The more you pay attention, the more you realize how your opponents are interacting with your board, the cards that they're playing, then you start to learn the cards that you need to compete against strategies like your own. So rather than trying to figure out the whole puzzle by yourself, you're simply playing the game how you want to play it and a straightforward game set making decision points easier for you, but you're also taking the notes of learning what your opponents are doing to interact. I know this is probably a difficult thing to understand early on if you're really brand new to the game, but I do really think that it's helpful for all players to just simply make it as simple and easy and straightforward as possible. And the three decks listed here, ironically of the three, the discard uh, line in the evasive deck might be a little too advanced. So instead of playing the discard package, you can just play more evasive units and just go that route. I just think that because of the cost of the cards right now and the ability that you have moving forward, if you want to continue building on that strategy, it's a great thing to get used to early. And it's not asking for too much from any player, to be honest. The aggro deck of Amber Amethyst has so much pressure that, truthfully, you might win the games before they even begin. That deck has the honest capability of winning on turn four or turn five really easily. And even if you get up to a certain point in the game, having cards like Friends on the Other Side and Be Our Guest to help you find goats and rabbits and snakes to continuously play your goat and not allow your opponent to interact with it also is a way to great closing out. The Mufasa deck is a 425-ish dollar deck, so it's not a deck that everybody just wants to walk into a new game and play. However, I do think it's the easiest of all the decks on this list, and it's very straightforward. It's just play whatever guy is for cost. In most cases, make my opponent answer it in some way or continue to lure and win the game. And it also pressures in ways of continuously drawing and replenishing. And of course, Mufasa himself just always has the ability to replace himself in a deck with only 60 characters. All in all, I hope you were able to get some true knowledge out of this video today. It would mean the world to me if you hit like. If you're new to the channel, hit subscribe. We are looking to do more videos like this moving forward, really trying to introduce new players to the game and giving them the idea and concepts of why given decks work and how they can best benefit from them. Thank you guys so much, and I will catch you in the next video.